Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. It, this is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I'm your running host, Dean Thompson. Well, have you ever been tired? I know, it's a crazy question, right? We're going to share a story from an old friend who proves that God gives us just what we need when we need it. And then, in a story that dovetails with the first one, I'll share why a five-year-old is more likely to survive a catastrophic situation than a teenager. And I can't wait to dig into it all with my great friend and Run For God founder, Mitchell Hollis. You know, Dean, you can tell we've been doing this a long time, because I think in the first the first six months we did this, that little stutter you had right there at the beginning, we would have said take two. Yeah. But now we just, yeah, we just, keep we just going. roll with it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, you think you'd be good in a survival situation? I think I would. I think you probably would. I'm, yeah. I'm, you're, uh, you're that guy who's always looking for that little thing to do to make things a little bit better. And, yeah, you know, I'm the guy that I won't sit with my back to the door in a restaurant. Uh, I'm yeah. always thinking of, I'm not as far as some of my friends. I've got some friends that they won't even sleep on the second floor in a hotel because fire and things. But I'm always, yeah, I think I'm always looking for yeah. a way out, a way to, I don't know. Yeah. I might crumble and fail. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Hey, I got a question for you before we get to our sponsor. Have you, I had a lunch with a good friend of mine yesterday. He's actually the founder of Partners for Christian Media, Bob LaBelle. You know, Bob? Yep. Um, and J103, J Radio. And he was telling me about a gentleman. And I want to see if you know this guy's name. The guy's name is John Disterdick. Don't have you name. ever heard that name? I have not. It's crazy how we find out about people who live in our own back door. This guy is a Hall of Fame boxer. He's a world-class track and field athlete for seniors. Huh. He... He he co-founded USA Triathlon. If you Bob said if he he asked me to pull my triathlon card out, I had Lane's card, and he said, "You see that member number?" And Lane was like, "I don't remember what the number was." He said, "John is number one." Wow! His USA Triathlon number is number one. He he he's a um, a rower. He's done all these different things. His 80th birthday was uh, a few weeks ago. On his 80th birthday. He did an 8K run, an 8K row, 80K bike, 800-meter swim. He did 80 push-ups, 800 sit-ups, eight rounds of sparring, and he donated $8,000 to Come On, Let's Go, which is one of the Partners for Christian Media Ministries. Wow. And guess where he lives? Where? In Chattanooga. Really? Yeah. Son of a gun. So I've reached out to this guy. I said, we've got to get this guy on the podcast, yeah. especially being right here in our back door. He's a very outspoken Christian, um, gives all glory to God if you read up on him. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised you didn't know his name. Yeah. Especially I'm, with I the, because you do, you do the master's track and field yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's pictures of, he just has medals after medals after medals for wow. so many days. He's like a renaissance man when it comes to sports. Yeah. It sounds He's like done. It. Everything. So. 800, 800 sit-ups. 
880 years old. 80 years old. That's the one that stuck out to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. And this was, uh, when do you do this? Back in March. Wow. I'm so, very impressed. Uh, yeah. Very and, impressed. and Bob said he's a great partner for uh, their ministry. Sounds and like uh, he said, we need, to, we need to talk to this guy. So I've reached out to him. Don't know if he'll get back to me or not. I, I think he will. Yeah. Um, we'll go to lunch one day and. I want, I want to meet this guy. I want to talk to this guy. Yeah, for sure. So, We've got a few guys that uh, we want to get on the podcast. And, we do. Well, I want to get Bob on here. Yeah. You know, yeah. Bob, the founder mm-hmm. of Partners for Christian Media, incredible guy. Got a great testimony. Yeah. Very well spoken. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I need I need to take a back seat for a few weeks, I think. We need to get some, <laughs> we need to roll some people in here that's a little more interesting than I am. But uh, I digress. Well, I don't know if I'd say that. Okay. So. Again, if you own a business out there and you want to support the ministry of Run for God and allow us to support what you do uh, by doing what we're about to do, uh, send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com. He'll get you all the information on how you can do just that. But this week's sponsor is Outer Elements. Uh, Outer Elements is a a Chattanooga-based landscape design company. Established in 2011, Outer Elements is a design-build landscape company servicing the northwest Georgia and Chattanooga areas, specializing in the latest techniques in landscape architecture and design. Outer Elements has the professional experience to develop a wide range of products in both commercial and residential sectors, from irrigation installation, hardscape construction, planning, and beyond. Outer Elements can help you conceptualize any project and make it a reality. Give them a call today at 678-445-1968 to connect with a professional landscape architect. And uh, these guys are good at what they do. They're very good at what they do. Uh, Another division of their business is actually about to start working on one of our jobs right now. And just uh, a great group of guys and, and we can't do what we do without their support. So thank you to all the all the guys over at Outer Elements. Outer Elements. That's a cool name for that, yeah. for that company. They're like actually yeah. a paving company. Northwest yeah. Georgia Paving is kind of the parent company. And uh, they created Outer Elements several years back um, to help with because landscaping in behind curbs and fresh asphalt is kind of a thing. So, um, so yeah. Makes they, sense. Yeah. They so go together well, don't they? It does. Wow. Well, how about this Facebook post from last week? Justin Schmidt um, put this one up, and if you're on the Facebook page, you probably know Justin. And uh, this is this is what it says: Ecclesiastes five four um, says, "You probably make a lot of promises. Think back over the last few days. You may have promised to run an errand for your spouse, to meet a deadline for your boss, or to help a child with a project. Maybe you promised yourself you'd start a new healthy habit. You may have even made a promise to God. When you make a promise to God, you should be quick to keep it. Just like delayed obedience is disobedience, a delayed promise is an unfilled promise. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says it clearly. When you make a promise to God, keep it as quickly as possible. When you start following Jesus, you probably promised him that you'd start living a life according to his plan, not your own. And to keep that promise to God, there's another time you need to respond quickly when you're tempted. You need to be quick to run away from temptation. Temptation requires that you have both preventive and 
emergency tactics. Preventative tactics mean that you work to keep yourself out of tempting situations. But today, let's focus on emergency tactics. What to do when you're being tempted. The Bible clearly says what to do with temptation. Run from all these evil things. That's 1 Timothy 6.11. When you feel tempted to do something self-defeating or dishonoring to God, you should move out of the situation rapidly. In other words, you should run. What should you not do? Don't argue with temptation. Don't fight it. Why? Because you're going to lose. You're, if you're watching something on television that tempts you to lust, change the channel. If you struggle with alcohol, run far away from the bar. One specific temptation the Bible tells you to run from is the worship of idols. Flee from the worship of idols. That's 1 Corinthians ten fourteen. Wait a minute, you might say. I don't have idols in my house. But anything you put before God is an idol. In some cultures, people have idols that look like stone or wooden figures. But in the U.S., we're more likely to carry our idols in our wallets, watch them on TV, or park them in our driveways. So here's another way you might think about it. What person or thing do you idolize? Success? Beauty? A favorite athlete or sport? A certain celebrity? Social media? No matter what your idols are, no matter what your temptations are, the strategy is clear. Run away. Don't argue. Don't fight. Just run. If you don't want to get stung by the bees, get away from the hive. Remember, following through on your promises matters. So when you've made a promise to God, be quick about keeping it. I need to follow through on running because I let other things get in my way. That's a good word, Justin. You know, just last night, I've talked about on here many times that uh, I'm a small group leader for our high school guys at our church. And last night was kind of our first night back in our regular routine. And so after um, after the sermon, we, we split into small groups and had the guys. And I do this every year, but we kind of got a new crop of guys this year, some new new faces. So I kind of set them up for what I used to always do. And I said... Um, I asked them, I said, who who in here has a problem with reading their Bible every day like they should? And, of course, every hand goes up, including mine. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's what's the number one reason for that? And they said, time. We just don't have time. You know, and I, so I started going through their day, and I said, you know, you sleep, let's say, eight hours. You're at school for eight hours. And they started talking about football practices and cross-country practices and all the different things that they do throughout their day. And it sounds like it just filled up. And I said, all right. And this is where I go back to what I always used to do. I said, take your phones out. Mm-hmm. And they took them out. And I said, go to your screen time. Now, some people may say that this is um, me stepping over the line because this is kind of private. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. Yeah. I said, go to your screen time. And I said, we're going to call our screen times out aloud for everybody to hear. You know, because that's one good thing about Apple phones nowadays is you can go to your screen time and see what your daily average is. Yeah. And we started hearing five hours, three hours, six hours, four hours. This is daily average that the screen is on their phones. And it's so funny to watch these guys. They're like, they don't believe it. Yeah. They're like, there's no way. I'm like, oh, yeah, there is a way. And I said... Imagine if you drop that back to just two. The guy that's six hours. I said, that's 20, 28 hours a week mm-hmm. that you're on the phone. Yeah. That you could be reading your Bible. 
You could be getting exercise. You could be doing all those things. And so to Justin's point, and I told them this last night, I'm firmly convinced that the number one idol in Americans' lives today is our phone. I agree with you. I, I don't. I don't know if there's a study out there that says that, but anything that we look at, worship for four, five, six hours a day, that's got to be up there as the number one yeah. idol. So I encourage everyone out there. I I fail at this too. You know, I've talked on here before about deleting apps, putting them back on, deleting apps. But look at your screen time every now and then because it will convict your heart. It does mine every time I pull it up. Well, and I get that reminder every Sunday. Yeah. It tells yeah. me what it was yeah, for the last week. You can set it up week. to remind and, you. Uh, mine is my, – mine, well, here's what, here's what the thing is about my screen time, though. And this is what we do with everything, right? We justify everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, so I listen to podcasts. Now I'm listening to podcasts when I'm driving. And, you know, I'm going to and from practices every day. So there's lots of a fair amount but of travel time. But the screen's not on for that. But apparently it counts it because I don't spend hardly. I, don't, I really don't spend much time actually with my face in my phone flipping through stuff. You, you know me. I'm, I'm hardly well, now ever. You can on. look at what it is. Yes. You know, yes. you can look, look down at what it is. Because I had a girl tell me last night, and I'm not, I'm not going to say her name. <laughs> she said, well, I do my Bible studies on my app, on my phone. I said, oh. I said, drill down in your screen time, then. Let's let's see how much the Bible is up. And it's not. Yeah, TikTok was number one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I, my, I mean, my goal is just to try to get these kids to think. About yes, it. just think about it. It is good, and we do spend a ton of time, yeah. especially especially kids. Yeah, and I mean, if you're into social media at all, you, you spend more time on there than you think you do. And I'll say, the rock star in the room for the past two years ever since he's been in my high school class has been my son Landon. yeah i think it was 56 minutes wow he's never over now we have a, a limit in our house for phone if i'm paying for the phone screen time doesn't go over two hours yeah and he's always half that i wow. mean lane's the one that's just like one hour and 59 minutes and 40 <laughs> seconds he's always keeping it just under that but landon yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Landon. Yeah, he, yeah. He's not. He just stays busy with other stuff. He does. He does. So, that's, anyway, that's good. to everybody out there, I challenge you, pull that screen time up and see if you can get it below two hours. Yeah. That's, I found that two hours is, um, it's enough to get stuff done. Yeah. But it's keeping you below that just aimless scrolling. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be doing that if you're keeping it under two hours. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's good stuff. Well, you know what I, I struggle with? And I know people think that people are going to think this is crazy probably because I'm that runner guy and I get out there and I run every day. And mm -hmm. so my big thing is just complacency yeah. is, and it's weird because I don't spend a ton of time on my phone, but you know what I do spend time on is this thing. Yeah. You know, I spend a ton of time on it. Now I don't want to measure my screen time on my computer because yeah. this it's in my face all the time. And, I'm, I'm constantly scrolling through articles and, you know, I can tell you what's on the front page of Let's Run right now. Everything that's on yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but that's that's my thing. So, uh, but I was listening to something it, it, and they talked about TikTok. You mentioned TikTok and that being somebody's number one. You know that TikTok is, well, all social media, but TikTok has really perfected it. Because they're short videos, it's it works exactly like drugs do, mm -hmm. exactly yeah. like drugs. Yeah. That as you scroll through, it figures out what you really like, and it gives you more of that thing. 
because there's so there's millions and millions of videos out there and he can go out there and harvest those things and bring you exactly what you like and in less than a second yes and then you just keep scrolling because you like you know you like three out of four of the ones that pop up you like them so you keep going and and it's it's really bad for us and um and all of this kind of it goes to that broader broader point here where justin is saying if you've accepted jesus as your lord and savior You've made promises, mm-hmm. and those promises don't include "Let's Run" or TikTok, Mm-mm. right? They, they, the, those promises. Our priority when we said yes, Lord, you're my Lord and Savior, is that He's number one. Yeah. And although, is it fair to say, well, the time you spend with God should always be more than the time you spend on TikTok? Well, not necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what we're saying. We're but not it's saying a good you should, place to start. Yes, we're not saying you should measure your. <laughs> no. but, but it is a it is good because when when I was in college, you know what I used to do when I was in college is I I had a uh, every semester I wrote out a calendar mm-hmm. for that twelve weeks and um, ten weeks I think it was back then and I wrote in every single day I wrote in the number of miles I ran, the number of hours I studied, and the chapters in the Bible I read. And I wrote that on there. So I had to go, I could go back and I could look at what I did. And it's funny how when you measure something, mm-hmm. you do more of it. Well, and it's just the act of, like, like I tell the guys last night, just thinking about it. Yes. Because the phones nowadays, whether it's TikTok or whatever it is catching our attention on it, they don't want you even thinking about it. Yep. TikTok doesn't want you to think about what to watch next. They're just going to put it right there for you. Right. And, you know, just like, the the scriptures say here run from temptation this is it's a pretty drastic measure i think about you know when the movie um was it fireproof kurt cameron he he had a problem with pornography yeah and it shows him taking his whole computer out and putting it in the garbage can i'll I'll never forget the next door neighbor watching him um i don't know if he was like what are you doing (laughs) throwing your computer away but yeah i mean we do need to do that i mean i i I do little things like just delete the app from my phone right but you know there's some people that you may need to get rid of your phone yeah um and especially our young people today i mean it is that's just why i really park there they call me the old man old-fashioned i don't care yeah these things are doing some damage to our young people nowadays and this that's not a conspiracy thing it's just true I mean, we we had kids on our team uh, a few years back that were having seven hours a day, seven hours. And that's just not good. Well, and what worries me more than more than what we see today is what's on the horizon with Mm. virtual reality Mm -hmm. and uh, artificial intelligence. When those two things come together, Mm -hmm. um, the problem is going to be multiplied times 10. I won't I won't put a. I won't put a set on. I think that's even it. if it's for something good. I because I think I I would like it. Yeah, so I never. I don't, I don't even want to try it. I never have tried it. But after hearing you say that, it makes me think that's probably a really good move. Is to yeah, never, never I mean, try it. It's not not saying that I wouldn't like it. Right. I'm afraid I would like exactly. it. exactly. So I don't want to. Well, that's why I don't play video games. Yeah. Because when I was when I remember I used to work night shift, twelve hour night shift. Okay. And I would come home from night shift and I would play my Nintendo for hours. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I got to sleep and then got back up to go back in the the following night, it was terrible. I was getting no sleep and I I saw what it did. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. not going back there. Yeah, I won't do it. We did have that dead horse. Yeah. (laughs) 
we had a trivia question for last week. This one was pretty simple. So most people have heard the term pronate. It's what our foot does when we run. The arch collapses to, diff- to a different degree in everyone. And the question was, is pronation a good thing or a bad thing? Should we be trying to eliminate it? And I hear people say this all the time. I hear people say, well, I'm a pronator. Well, yeah, we're all pronators. The actual truth is, is that we all pronate. We just do it to different degrees. And some people are over pronators. You remember the video, our, our shoe video with Mike Buckaloo. He, yeah. he says kind of the same thing. He says people will come up and say, I'm a pronator. Yeah. And he says, yes, you are. Celebrate it. We all are. <laughs> Say it it's loud. It's just we need to understand it. That's right. That's right. And so it's it, it, it's just the simple. What, what pronation does is it helps sh- absorb the shock mm-hmm. on your body. So it's a good thing. Yeah. And so you don't want to eliminate it, um, but you do want to control it. Right. And so that's what shoes do. Is somebody who is an overpronator, it tries to keep them in a neutral position so that they don't go too far. Because when you go too far, anytime you get more of a range of motion in any kind of a joint or muscle, it causes some problems and potential for injury. And so we don't want to eliminate it, and we do want to understand it. Um, uh, that's why running shoes are individualistic, is because everybody is a little bit different. And that's why. One running shoe that feels great for one person doesn't feel good for another person. One running shoe that's really good for one person is not good for another person. And it's it's really important mm-hmm. that you that you get that right. And uh, you don't want a person who has a who who pronates very little, for example, to wear an anti pronation shoe, right? Because that's going to make their problem worse. And so, um, yeah, it's it's. Um, funny how god made our feet to work this way yeah and most good running stores out there they they can help you with this i mean yeah you could get somebody to take a video of you walking or jogging but most running stores they they can help you with this because to your point this is why we always say don't ask somebody what shoe they wear to you know determine what shoe you should wear because everybody's so different and probably the biggest difference in shoes address pronation yeah you know whether you're neutral whether you're an overpronator whether you're supinator so um yeah that's why it's important to find a good local running store in your area that can help you determine which shoes best for you for sure yeah well i just think it's cool that god made our bodies to work that way and i do know one person who has almost no pronation and you know her too Hmm? you know who it is right Rebecca? Rebecca. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, her heel never hits the ground. It never she, touches the ground. I don't know if she actually does pronate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her heel is the only yeah. thing that hits. Her heel does not. Well, she lands way on the side of her foot. Yeah. Though. That's why she she can turn an ankle really easy. Yeah. Because she's, she's already on the edge every single time. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was her. She posted a picture. Did you see this the other day? There's some new shoe out now that you're, that keeps your heel off the ground. <laughs> And she was talking about how cool they were. I said, that's the last thing you need. Yeah. You know, because her, I took a video when she was probably 10 on a treadmill of her at her feet level and her heel never touches the ground yeah. when she runs. I don't know yeah. if that may have changed now. I think you worked with her on her form some, but. Well, you know what happened? We worked with her on her form and she changed she and then got she got hurt. hurt. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, I'm not going to mess with her anymore. Yeah. And the thing about the way that she runs is she's absolutely gorgeous when she runs. Yeah. I mean, she's beautiful, to watch, especially when she's running fast. Oh, yeah. she's so it's I mean, it's like watching poetry when yeah. she runs. But uh, because it is closer to, to to most people land so heavy on their heel that it's it's 
I know maybe but this, she's had quite a few injuries through the years. She I has. I think that's and that's part, part of, of the reason she's yeah. not getting enough shock, shock absorption right. in her body because yeah. of that. Yeah. So yeah. Well, the new website is up and going for a week. It's been live now. Yep. Um, you know, as of this recording, it is releasing in about four days. And uh, we've had a few people in there testing it out, helping us break it. We're coming back behind them and fixing it. And and uh, so if if you're not on the new runforgod.com, go to runforgod.com right now. Check it out. It's incredible. We've got Run Club Social on there now. Uh, just so you know, if you're listening to this, uh, we, we've put the, the notifications out there that uh, Run Club Social is taking the place of the Run Club Facebook group. Um, so we're, we're going to kind of have a countdown. We are going to phase the Run Club Facebook group out by the end of the year. Um, so we're going to need everybody to come over to the new um, the new website. We've got the app. You know, it works, looks, feels just like Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but we've got so many people who have never got to experience this club effectively because they're not on social media. And we get it. Yeah. We, we do. Um, now we've had some people, um, a little bit concerned as to why we're doing that. And there's a lot of reasons, Mm -hmm. but the biggest one is honestly, um, when Facebook took our Instagram account down for no apparent reason, we still don't have a good reason for it. Um, that kind of gave us a wake up call that we needed to provide a platform that's safe is private and it's off of facebook now we've had a lot of people question us and say are you guys not going to have any presence on social media yes we are our, our national pages are yeah. going to remain on facebook we'll still do advertising we'll still do the motivational post everything the only thing that's coming off of social media or off of facebook is the the run club private group yeah um so yeah we still if you have a presence on social media we still want you doing that, and and because that is a great catalyst to get the word out about about what Christ has done in your life. And if yeah. if Run for God's a part of that story, then by all means, we want you to stay on there and continue to share that. But it's just um, I, we just feel like it's a more appropriate fit for this group, yeah, and so um, you can set up the notifications and and all the stuff just like Facebook. So. Um, you know, we're still in the first week right now as when, when this thing airs. And so we're still probably working some kinks out. I'm sure we are. We're, mm-hmm. we're prepared for that, but, uh, it's going to be incredible. It, well, it is incredible. It is. And, and I've gotten some messages from some people who are really appreciative who don't are not to. on social media and yeah. are like they're re- they're really excited about being able to be a part of because they've heard about everything that goes yes. on but for whatever reason and like i said I, I get the reasons hey kudos to them this what we just talked about with justin's post sure and the whole fleeing from it that's yeah. that, and the whole thing where i was talking about staying away from i don't have a problem social media doesn't i don't i'm not that big of I'm not a social media guy right. so it doesn't bother me but for a but lot for of some people. people it does for a lot yeah. of people yeah and if you think it might be then it's a good idea so yeah i'm so excited about it yeah go check it out runforgod.com as a mom i want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar their car seats have to be nationally cps certified and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man i just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe 
One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at JRadio.com and download the new J-Radio app in your app store. All right, well, we're back, and, you know, we're going to share somebody's story here, and we want to hear your story. We're, we're, uh, we're about to get thin on stories again, and so we want to make sure that people are sharing their story. So if you haven't shared yours yet, but you've thought about it, and you've thought, I really need to share my story, well, now's the time to do it. Get it, get it on in. And with the new website, I mean, literally, all you have to do is go to the website and click on the tab that says, share your story. Man. We keep it pretty simple. Yeah. We even give you the guidelines and the the word count that we need, and we provide all the little blanks. And it's very easy. And like we always say, you might think you don't have a story. You might think your story is vanilla, but it's a God story. Yeah. And we need to hear it. Everybody listening to this needs to hear it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, you know the guy that uh, I, I've talked. I talked about a, a kid here not too long ago. Who he's a middle schooler, kind of yeah. a troubled past. Mm-hmm. Did you he, see how he did the he's other doing day? Good. Yeah. He's he, doing, he would have been on varsity if he, he'd been in high school. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was so pumped about it. I mean, he was just jacked up. It was awesome to yeah. see this kid who two months ago was mm-hmm. constantly in trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where police officers are in his, at his house. Okay, so that that's severe. And now the kid has gotten saved. Wow. He's going to church every week. He's running. He's doing really well. He has found an identity that that he loves. Yeah. And um, it, it's, yeah, I heard him talking to you the other day. He was he was pumped. Yes. When he got through with that run. So because I mean, for a middle schooler to come out there and run with the high schoolers. Not only run with the high schoolers, beat a lot of them. Yeah. And then he would, if he were in high school, he would have a spot on the varsity team as of right now. I mean, that that's that's incredible. Yeah. It really is. And you know what he asked me? He said, do you think I'll make varsity in middle school? <laughs> I think I did hear him say that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, you just made varsity in a high school, yeah. Nate. You're going to make it. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. going to be good. All right. Yeah. I just love to see the kids that, that – Get Litsy's another one. I don't know if you've talked to Litsy much. Oh, she's a joy. But I talked to Litsy on Saturday. I was there for the long run, and she come in and she had done four, which most of the kids were doing like six, eight, ten, yeah, whatever. And uh, so I was talking to her, and she said, "I just love running." Yeah. And I said, "Really?" I said, "How long have you been doing it?" She said, five days." <laughs> I said, "Wait, you just..." Like five days, you've been back at it, or she said, "No, five days. That's that's all I've run." Yep. I said, "You just ran four miles after five days." Number one, we don't that that is not wise to most everybody <laughs> listening to this. But I mean, she is. I mean, she probably weighs eighty five pounds, yeah. high schooler. But she ran four miles, and she just said, "I love it." She said, "This team is so encouraging." She just went on and on and said she just loves running. So I think there is a lot of room for improvement. She made varsity as well. Yep. And uh, there's a lot of room for improvement there with her. And uh, she enjoys it, which is the big thing. You know, we just – we've had some conversations about some of the kids out there that they just don't enjoy it. 
Like, yeah. They're out there because their parents are making them be out there or just for the friends, which is okay. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. Um, but she really enjoys it. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm excited to see what, what comes out of her throughout the season. She could be another Kennedy. That's what I, that's yeah. exactly it. I think she is. That's for everybody listening, Kennedy's a young lady that, you know, she was. She ran like 36 s- minutes her first 5K. And then the end of last year, one region. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just out of nowhere, really. Yeah. So, and so, uh, so, yeah, it's, I love this time of year. I love, I'm not one of the coaches there, but I love to come and hang out. I'm, I'm the cheerleader. I'm you the guy are yelling this, and screaming. And, and they appreciate it yeah. too. Yep. Well, do you get enough sleep? You think most of the time? Yeah. Not? I think I do. Yeah. Maybe not this morning. I didn't because we're, we're I, yeah. at this early this morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, you know, sleep is a weird thing because everybody claims they're tired all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I talk to our team all the time and I ask them how they're feeling and it never fails. Every single time I ask, at least one is going to say, I'm just tired. But isn't that just a default answer? I think it is. That's yeah. my point is I think a lot of times it is the point. It is it is a default. And I think the tiredness is more perceived than it is real. I'm guilty, too. Yeah. There's times where I'm like, oh, I'm just so tired. I'll be out in the middle of a run. I'll think, oh, I'm so tired. And then it'll hit me like, you're not. You're <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. Quit whining. Just keep going. Yeah, I think it becomes automatic. And um, I think there's a portion of people out there who I think would – feel less tired if they could just get their brain wrapped around the fact that they're less tired i mean mm-hmm. i think the difference is this again the six inches between your ears well how many times have we all um we're supposed to be doing a run in two hours and we're thinking oh we're just i'm just too tired but you force yourself to do it and it comes out to be one of the greatest runs of the week yeah yeah. When you were supposedly too tired, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's it's mental. For yeah, sure. what if those you know those people? We all know those people who have tons of energy, like <laughs> all sorts of energy, right? Yeah. And what if the only difference between the people who have tons of energy and the people who think they're tired all the time is really just a mindset? That's very possible. Well, I, think I think if you study those enneagrams that we yeah. talked about a few weeks ago, yeah, that that's the case. Yeah. There are some people who are just naturally full of it's it's not that they're full of energy the energy comes out of them and they they feed off that and then some you know i've said it on here before some people their spirit animal is eeyore (laughs) that's true and uh it's 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 all in our head it really is well you know it's funny how like let's say you're a fisherman Mm -hmm. and you're going to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go fishing you never have a problem getting up for that or going hunting or yeah but you know your wedding day did you have a problem getting up on your wedding day? Were you tired? Probably not. You probably got right up and was excited to attack the day. Well, what if we just looked at the idea that we get to serve God every day the same way? Wouldn't it be incredible? Man, what a change that would be. Hmm. Well, talk about energy levels. This story this week is is kind of about having enough energy. And um, it comes from Sam Ridenour, who we all know up there in Ohio. Uh, Sam has been around almost from the beginning, if yeah. I remember correctly. He is. He's a great guy. He is. And this one's called Just Enough. Have you ever gone into a race or a big life event with the expectation of proclaiming afterwards, I came, I saw, I conquered, yet found yourself instead saying, I arrived, I strived, I survived, <laughs> much more quietly than you had originally thought? 
I've had a few experiences in these past couple of months that have been quite challenging, yet God showed up every time and provided just enough to let me keep smiling, knowing he had been faithful and true. Last fall, my wife Kathy signed me up for this year's Hall of Fame Marathon in Canton, Ohio. I was not yet in marathon shape as I was beginning to build up towards a planned 200-miler in August. More on that later. Race day was going to be a warm one, temps in the mid to upper 80s with high humidity, not normal Ohio weather in April. We knew this weather report going in, as well as the spacing of the water stations being every two or so miles. That is not enough for this heavy sweater. So we loaded up my hydration vest and as she planned to meet me at around miles 13 and 22 and a half. Even with all that planning and running the first quarter of the race with some run-for-God friends, I started to fall off my original pace at mile seven and wound up hardly being able to run the last four miles of that race. The mere act of walking was pegging my heart rate at more than aerobic effort. But after meeting Kathy that last time, God answered some pre-race prayers, and I finished that marathon smiling all the way to the finish line. The very next week, I wound up running the Flying Pig Marathon in Cincinnati. This was the result of a good friend having a busy season of life, and she had gifted me her registration. I had to run this race for her. The Flying Pig has meant a lot to her throughout the years, but I had to run this solo, this one solo since Kathy had decided to sit this one out. This race started with much better weather, cool and rainy at the start. I felt surprisingly okay despite the tired legs and was able to keep a consistent pace. But anyone who has run the Flying Pig will tell you the weather will almost certainly turn hot and lousy at some point. Sure enough, the clouds broke at around mile 20 and it got soupy in a hurry. My body again slowed down, but my spirit again picked up. Some kids were throwing footballs to the runners at around mile 22. For some reason, I decided to punt the one thrown my way. It was actually a decent kick with good hang time, and one of the other guys there caught the punt in a laundry basket without plowing into another participant. The ensuing celebration is a race moment I will not forget. I had worn my Run for God shirt that day. Only one person commented about the shirt the entire race, but more than one person remarked that I was still smiling during the last 10K of the race. I finished the race 28 minutes faster than the previous week and had just enough energy to make the two-plus-hour drive home afterwards. Then, the next week, I had a major life event happen. My parents, who had been living in West Texas for the previous 16 years, well, they were moving home. Why they live so far away is a long story and not really a happy one, but ready or not, here it came. They were flying back to central Ohio that Tuesday after the flying pig, and I was to fly down to Texas later that week to drive their vehicle back to Ohio. But as is typical with such moves, the plans changed often. My parents were unable to fly their dog home, so my mother was going to fly with me, and I was going to make the the cross-country trek with both her and a crazy dog riding along. I drove six hours in the first day before stopping for a broken night of sleep in a strange hotel with a strange dog and my mother, who I had rarely seen all these years. During one of those times of being awake, I felt my forearms tingling. Okay, that's weird. Now, my favorite superhero has always been Wolverine. When I would get pumped up before races or other times where it was time to get to the adrenaline pumping, I would often imagine something like Wolverine's claws coming from my forearms and wrists and thinking, it's go time. 
But as my forearms were tingling, I felt God's presence and his what and his and in his way what would only mean anything to me. He was telling me that I wouldn't need these imagined claws today. Wouldn't you know, his message was true. Even though my mother had said she would help without with the driving, I knew how that story would play out. Her spirit was willing, but the body was weak. I was able to make the 19-hour drive all the way from central Oklahoma to central Ohio to my brother's house, and I did not get tired until I was less than five miles away from my house. God, again, provided just enough. The very next day, the movers who were supposed to arrive before we flew to Texas showed up. Once again, God provided just enough for me to do what was needed in the moment. Sometimes I was helping move heavy furniture. Sometimes I was making decisions about where things needed to go. Not one of my strong suits, by the way. Sometimes I was being a counselor for my family. Once again, I had to walk around the block with my dad and his dog. Again, it was just enough strength to make it. That was just three weeks of my life this spring. I could keep going on with these stories, but inside and outside of both inside and outside of running, like he provided manna for the Israelites in the wilderness. These past couple of months have felt like he was providing manna to me in the forms of strength and peace. In particular, the month of May has been the month where I have broken more than once under the stressors of life. This might have been the toughest May I've ever gone through, but God, he was enough and continues to be enough. The 200-mile race was canceled, yet within a couple of days, we were able to find both a 100-mile replacement race and a training plan whose schedule coincided with my fitness and will keep pushing me out of my comfort zone. The situation with my parents continues to be stressful, but God has provided moments which have been genuinely good and whose experiences I will always treasure. Joy unspeakable that won't go away and just enough strength to live for today. So I never have to worry what tomorrow will bring because my faith is on solid rock. I am counting on God. That's from I'm counting on God from the Desperation Band. It's a great story, Sam. You know, I think Sam is one of those. I'm pretty sure he got his start in running through Run for God. I could be wrong about that. But he's one of those crazy guys that has taken it to – he runs across countries. Haiti. Yep. Haiti. Mm-hmm. He loves doing these ultra-long distance. I mean, 200 miles. I mean, yeah. good gravy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that one gets canceled. So I'll find a 100-miler, you know. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a Sam's a, Sam is a funny, interesting guy. I, yeah. I've got to meet him a few times. And, um, yeah, talk about full of energy. Yes. He's always, he's always upbeat, full of energy. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing I remember about Sam is I remember the smile, you know, he's always in a good mood no matter what. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I think we go through life and we wonder if people notice things like that and people do, even if they don't say it, I don't think I've ever told Sam, Hey man, I just love the way you're always positive and upbeat, but I do. Right. And so a lot of those personality things, and, you know, I try to be positive and upbeat most of the time although i have my moments yeah uh, <laughs> you know I, I i always tell the the uh the girls on the cross country team i tell them that i'm going to be your biggest fan and your biggest critic and i like to live up to both of those so <laughs> uh, i'm gonna let them know when uh when things aren't going well but i'm also gonna be the first one to go hey what a great job you did yeah i think one thing i love about you because i was listening to you the other day with the cross country team and you you were basically make I said 
I leaned over to Coley, who's one of the coaches, and he's a teacher. I said, this is why Dean and I are not teachers, because we would never make it. Because <laughs> yeah. you were just being matter-of-fact, saying, you know, I love you guys. I'm going to be your worst critic, your hardest critic. And if I'm on you, that means I care for you. That means I think you have potential, and I, I think you've got more to give. What you need to worry about is when I stop getting on you. And you said something. I forget how you said it. Uh, but you said something, and the kids were like, whoa. And I, that's when I leaned over to Cully and was like, that's why we're not teachers. We couldn't get away with that in a classroom. But you were just giving yeah. hard, loving honesty to these kids which they so many of them don't get nowadays yeah it's true and uh yeah i think sometimes my wife you know she says she tells me she's told me several times through the year you can't talk to other people's kids like that i said i'll talk to them just like i talk to my kids yeah and uh but sometimes that maybe it's out of line but we love them i mean that's that's the reason we stay on them so hard because we want the best for them and we we want to see these success stories when they get older and it is rewarding because we've both had people come back to us and say thanks yeah you know some of the ones i could think back i was very hard on yeah but they see it later they don't see it right then no no and that's what you hope right yeah yeah well i often think about the president i've probably mentioned i'm sure i've mentioned on this podcast a few times and people say they don't have time Mm -hmm. you know we've had presidents of the united states who run well if they've got time to run then anybody has time to run because i can't imagine there's a job any busier than the president of the united states right and so um it's it's we also see with presidents that they usually age about 20 years in the four years they're president yeah i mean look you can look at just about every president yeah. before they came into office and right after and it's whew. what a difference in pictures yeah. yeah yeah it's it's really incredible but if think about it this way like when the president wakes up in the morning the president has to think whoa whoa i'm president i gotta get you know what i'm saying you gotta yeah. be motivated by oh my goodness people are counting on me i gotta get going yeah well shouldn't we be the same way we I mean, really should we should look at our whatever our job is whatever we're doing our job is to share Christ. Mm-hmm. And if every day we got up and Which thought, is just as important as being president. A hundred way more important. Yeah. And and so if every day we got up and we thought like the president wakes up and go, Oh, I'm the president, if every day we thought we woke up and we thought, Oh, I have to share the gospel today. Yeah. Man, imagine how this world would change, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh that's what we need to do. Exodus sixteen thirteen through 15 says, That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Just like he's talking about in this story, God provides what we need. Um, and not that doesn't necessarily mean what we want mm-hmm. very very often it's what we need and it, this strikes me the whole manna thing strikes me because in today's world we hear so many people say well i just ate that yesterday i can't eat that today as if you can't eat the same thing two days in a row you know or two meals in a row or whatever think about eating the same meal for 40 years but you know what what and, and we do this so I, i'm going to preface this by saying we do the exact same. I do the exact same thing every day. 
But you got to look at the children of Israel and the journey that they came out of from Egypt. And you, you, you have to wonder, how did they complain? How, how? They had a pillar of fire. They had a cloud by day. They, they had quail just coming in and lighting in on their camp every day, basically saying, eat me. <laughs> they wake up and there's bread on the ground. And yet they complained. Yeah. And I say that and it convicts my heart that we did the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in America, I mean, we're in one of the wealthiest nations in the, in the world. I mean, even our, even our low income in this country would be rich in other places. Yeah. But yet we complain. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's an entitled mindset that, you know, we deserve more than what we have. Well, no, yeah. we don't deserve anything. We all deserve hell. Yeah. And this this life is a gift. And but it you know, we, we like to throw darts at the Israelites. We like to throw stones at them and say, What were y'all thinking? I mean, good gravy. The Red Sea parted. I mean, come on. But we have Red Sea moments all the time. Yeah. And yes, we get pumped when it happens and we feel God moving in our life and we're but it's like we wake up that next morning and we're like, is that all you're going to give us is bread today, God? I mean, yeah. how, how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How ungrateful we yeah. are sometimes walking yeah. through this life. The interesting thing about the manna is that the manna came kind of, I mean, it came by God's plan, but there was complaining before it started. Mm-hmm. So they're complaining, we don't have anything to eat. And now God is just providing it out of thin air. And Literally. Then, and th- yeah. And then you're going to complain that what he gave you wasn't enough. Like, I complained. I got what I wanted, but that's not exactly what I wanted. And now, how often do we do that, right? You how know, often do we do it in our church? Oh. Well, that's not the music I want to hear. Yeah. I mean, woof. We, we don't need to go down that road. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we get hung up on our preferences. That's right. Instead of what God has in store for us so many times. Yeah. And we need to stop that. Yep. I, I say that to myself. Stop it. Yeah. But we we wake up a new day and we do it again. Yes, we do. John six thirty five. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I love that straightforwardness of that verse. It's very direct. It's to the point. God said he would provide in the Old Testament, and he did. God said he would provide in the New Testament, and he did. And he still does today. And, you know, back then, bread was kind of the, kind of the symbol of all food um, in that day, right? And, and so the, the reference was really easy for them to understand back then. And, and it was easy for the Israelites to understand, which makes it even more incredible that they didn't appreciate what they had. Um, but Jesus, in this verse, it, it, I love reading this verse in context because when you put it in the context of what he, the people he's talking to, they're all they're all stuck on this, the 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 facts of what he's saying, and not mm-hmm. the fact that he's talking about spiritual health. Right. And uh, I, I, <laughs> they're trying to take him literally when he's not talking literally. And um, a lot of times things are really simple. Like he's being really simple here. What the, the illustration is not 
it's not the food he's talking about. It's it's the spiritual health that he's talking about. But it's really simple to understand. It's not like there's any mystery here. And yet, the people listening to him are misinterpreting what he's talking about. And that's where we do this all day long. All the time. Every day. The gospel's simple. Yep. The, I mean, the reading the Bible really is simple. Yep. We, we complicate this mm-hmm. process. And sometimes we just need to move ourselves out of the way and let the simplicity of what God said, the simplicity of what Jesus often said, shine through and, and people will get it. But so many times we confuse people because, you know, I, I, I don't know why the, the whole story with George just popped in my head. You know, the, the whole thing with the race that time. And, and I wanted eloquent words. You know, so many times we want eloquence and mm-hmm. we confuse things in the process where if we just keep it simple, you know, maybe it doesn't sound eloquent, but many times that's what people need. It's just the simple truth. Um, I mean, Jesus said, come to me as a child with childlike faith. That's a that's a picture of simplicity. We don't we don't need to have deep um I'm I'm losing my words this morning. We don't have need to have deep theology discussions many That's, times. Yeah. We just need to say Jesus is what you need. Yeah. You know, the simple gospel. He, he is enough. Yeah. Admit your sinner. Go back to the ABCs. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say that the ABCs is that's that's too elementary of a gospel presentation. No, it's not. <laughs> It needs to be elementary. That's what Billy Graham did. Exactly. He, yep. And 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 millions came to the foot of the cross as a result of his simple message. And um, yeah, yeah, keep it keep it simple. Yeah. Romans five, three through five. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the runner's verse. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, think about it. It's this is where this is where the parallel of faith and endurance happens right here yeah these same principles work in either side um but i love this verse yeah i do too and the the word glory here is, is saying when he says glory he's, he's talking about rejoicing we should be and this is the way i thought about it we should be so enraptured with god so blessed by him that not only can we be happy when things are good but his presence is so powerful in our lives that even when things are bad, as Paul did when he wrote the letter to the Philippians from a prison and he's rejoicing and so so happy about his predicament because he's got God and that's all he needs. And that's that that's the picture of who we should be. And in what this to me, what this verse is saying is that that's all we need is is jesus and if we've got jesus no matter what our circumstances are good or bad then romans eight twenty eight applies right yeah i mean think think about for all of you listening out there who are on the couch to marathon program i want to ask the question what keeps you going what keeps a person going to what may be their first marathon or their 20th marathon what keeps you going to your marathon training it's the finish line, right? Yeah. It's it's the goal of whatever you're wanting to do mm-hmm. in that final moment for that marathon. That's what pulls you through the hard workouts. And what do you have in the process? You got a plan. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about a plan. We talk about there's a lot of plans that can get you there. 
but you need to pick one and go with it. But you got a plan. Well, our goal as believers is to get to that finish line, to to cross that heavenly finish line, you know, putting an illustration. But we, we want to walk into the doors of heaven feeling like we've done everything we can do. And we also have a plan. Now, the difference in the two illustrations is there's only one plan yeah. for for the eternal marathon, and it's it's right here. It's the Word of God. Yeah. But the parallels are just spot on. I mean, it, and but we always talk about we get it with marathon training or 5K training or whatever kind of training you're doing. We understand the connection. We understand that I'm going to suffer today. I'm going to hurt today. I'm going to be in agony today's workout because I know what it's going to do for me at that finish line. Somehow that, that, that scenario breaks down when we start thinking about heaven and eternity. But it's exactly the same. We need mm. to have that same mentality that we have when we go into that track and we get amped up like like uh, Sam talks about, Wolverine, you know, I'm mm. going to crush this workout. When we see that lost person that we know, yeah. golly bum, what if we thought what if we thought of ourselves as a Wolverine in that case? Yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to reach this guy for Christ. Yeah. Wow. Think about how different our walk with Christ would be if we just had that same mindset. But so many times we don't. That's and I, I don't I don't know why that is, but we we've got to stay in the plan every day. It's part of the problem. Yeah, and we look at it a lot of times. I think we think it's more complicated than that. I was having a discussion with a young person recently who was, he had friends who were putting peer pressure on him to do something he shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And he, he said to, he told me this, and I said, well, I said, that's really simple because all you have to do is just two letters N O, period, yep. no. And he said, you don't understand, Dean. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. And I said, Yes, look at me. Yes. It no is, is a complete sentence. It, it's right. <laughs> it is that simple. and But we complicate things so much. Yeah. And in his mind, it really was complicated. In our mind, going and talking to somebody about Jesus seems to be complicated. Yeah. It's not. No. Nope. It's really simple. How about a question? How did God show up in your life during something tough but went far better than expected? This doesn't happen that often to me because, you know, I'm an optimist at heart. Um, so it's not often something goes better than expected because I usually go into things expecting the best. Yeah. Even when I don't feel good, I still I, I, I always look back on the times when I didn't feel good and things turned out well. And I just kind of expect that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always turn out that way, but it's my expectation. So I, I don't know. I, of course, I've seen times when um you feel really bad in the middle of a marathon. Like I remember this one, it was a Callaway Gardens marathon. It was actually, I had run another marathon two weeks before it. And so I was running another marathon, sort of like Sam here, although his, his was a week apart. Mine was two weeks apart. My expectation was that I was going to be, I was going to feel lousy because I still had that last marathon in my legs. And um, so I thought, well, if I run my absolute best race, maybe. I could break three hours for the marathon. And um, so I ran the first half in 129.30, just just under one uh, three-hour pace. And I felt awful. And I thought, well, so much for that three-hour marathon thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like God put 
it was a, I don't even remember what the song was. I can't believe I can't remember it because it was just so important to me at the time. He put this song, a Christian song in my head and I just, it just kept running through my head over and over again. And it got, it just felt soothing to mm-hmm. me to hear it. Well, the next thing I knew, I look up and I see the leaders of the race and they're not far ahead. I'm think, and then that spurs me on, and then you know I'm looking for them, and I've got this song running in my head, and all that stuff just kind of carried me through this whole race. And sure enough, I caught the leader at 24 and a half miles, and wound up winning the race. When halfway through, I thought, man, I'm going to crash and burn, and I actually finished stronger than everybody else in the race did. And I think there's only one thing that changed: my mindset. Your mindset. That's right. Hmm. Have yep. you ever done the flying pig marathon? I have not. I've heard of that. Yeah. For years, but I've, yeah. Yeah. Didn't know if you'd done I, that one or not. I, you know, I haven't done a ton of marathons. And a lot of, t- you know, I've probably run 15 or 16 marathons, and um, I've run several multiple times. So I haven't run that many different ones. Hmm. Another question Have you ever had God speak to you in a way in which only you would understand? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know if it's the only way. I don't know if God speaks to me in a way that only I would understand. But he's many times he speaks to me in a way that is the only way I will understand. Yeah. And usually that's just bluntness. Yeah. I, I'm a blunt person. It many times I don't take subtleties ask my wife um she reminds me of that i I don't i i don't pick up on small things many Mm -hmm. times it usually it takes a two by four to get my attention and and he does that many times uh, because i think he he does he knows that many times that's what it takes is is something drastic loud a two before to the head you know whatever yeah but you're really good too this is the hard part about living in the south is that that's not the way people typically talk. They're not typically real direct like that. Right. And so you don't get a lot of that kind of feedback. Yeah, but I mean, I have some Jersey in me. I'm, 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 you do. Even though I've never been to New Jersey. Yeah, you do. Maybe it's because I've hung around with you too long. But no, <laughs> I, no I've always been blunt. You yeah. Know, I, yeah. Sometimes to a fault. Um, you know, like my wife used to tell me with the with the triathlon kids, you don't need to talk to them. That I'm like, yes, I do. Because that's the way I understand. Yeah. Is bluntness. Yeah. Don't. Don't and beat some, around the bush. Just tell me what you're thinking. And some do 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 feel that way. You know, I think our, our cross-country team, our ladies, uh, I've got some of them who have told me very – Rebecca's one of them. Rebecca's told me, yell at me when I'm running. Be firm and be – she wants to hear me go, get your butt in. She wants to hear me yell at her and, yeah. and be direct with her. I've got other girls, Riley Joe, who's been on this podcast before. Riley, that will not work with her. That's, That's landing, landed. That, yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You you have to treat them differently. Yeah. And there are some. You're right. Some that need to hear it directly. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, I think this this question is interesting because this is where Dean's thoughts come from. Yeah. All of the stuff that I write, it's it's literally I'm just out, or I hear a story, or I hear a sermon, or and I just. I think running, I think God, and I put those two things together, and it just makes sense in the context of this story. And so it's that's that's the way these things come up. It's it's sort of like manna, but with words. <laughs> yeah, and I love the I love the instances where where God will give you that that wink after the fact. So many yeah. times, like 
you know, you're pretty sure this was God working. And then it's like after it's all said and done, he does something that's like, you know, just obvious. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take it just a second. Cause I heard this story yesterday and I loved it, but it was Bob LaBelle and, um, you know, J103, you've seen the check hanging in the office, but J103, their first radio station was 102.7. And um, so when they founded J103, the first ever donation check that was written to J103 was like for 50 bucks. And But if you look at the check number, the check number is 1027. Have you seen that hanging in their office? I've seen the check, but I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's the check number is 1027, which is the radio station. 102.7 is the radio station. Anyway, <laughs> so that was, that was that. Well, Bob was telling me the story. They also have 1031. They have mm-hmm. the two. They actually have three frequencies around here. But he was telling me about when uh, the 1031 frequency was a frequency that they leased. Um, from somebody who owned it, they own the tower and the, you know, I don't even, I don't know what all goes on with radio, but evidently you own a piece of property, you own a tower and you own a frequency. And for 103.1, they had had a lease for that and they had a right of first refusal to buy it. So a right of first refusal means if you own it and you ever decide to sell it, you have to give me the first option to buy it at that price that somebody else is offering you. Yeah. It's got a right of first refusal. Anyway, so the company, I believe he said it was out of Nashville, approached him. They'd been leasing this tower for years, and the company approached him and said, we have a buyer who wants to buy that tower and that frequency for $800,000, and we're giving you guys the right to buy it for that. Well, Bob was like, we don't, we don't have eight hundred thousand dollars. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to lose that frequency, which by that time was a well-known frequency for J one hundred three. Yeah. <coughs> so, he had a guy approach him within the next week from Texas, and the guy had heard what was happening that they may lose their frequency, and this guy had just sold a radio station in Texas. And he was needing to find another one to buy or else he was going to have to pay taxes on the money. You know, if you yeah. you can make a, an exchange in the IRS code of a like kind property or whatever and, and not have to pay capital gains taxes, whatever. And um, so this guy flew to town and he said, I'm going to buy and I'll let you guys continue the lease. Come to find out the guy ultimately made the deal with him that upon his death, he was going to leave it to him. And, and, uh, wow. so anyway, so Bob, I think goes to this closing and because they're doing the lease and what all these different things, but they're, um, so at this closing, he gets one of these God winks and the guy was doing a, uh, the, the tax free exchange where the guy was selling something and buying something else. So he didn't have to pay, the taxes is you've probably heard this said before, but it's IRS code ten thirty one. It's a ten thirty one exchange, and he was buying one hundred three point one. Wow! And uh, he said, "I about fell out of my chair." Yeah. When I saw that that was the mechanism this guy was using. Yeah. To make all this happen. Anyway, I I digress. But that that was one of no, those great story. It's one of those God winks that yeah. I love to see after the fact that it's like God saying. I got you. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. the it's the parting of the Red Sea. It's 
the manna from heaven and the pillar of fire. It's all those things that we get those all day, every day, but we got to be looking for them. Yeah. We don't realize miracles still happen a lot of times, but they they absolutely do. Yeah. Last question. What are the ways in which God has given you spiritual manna? Of course, I think I just answered that with uh, the Dean's thoughts thing. Yeah. Um, That's, that's, that's how he does it for me because very often, um the the dean's thought stuff it's fun and i love to to write those but it's really humbling sometimes to see how god works those things and it's a lot like the manna thing because i don't have i don't have a plan for what like you know we've got a story for this week which we'll share here shortly i don't have a plan for next week mm-hmm. but something's coming Sure. I know it is, and it will, and it's just like the manna. And it's um, that's just how God just he provides. And it's it's funny because I remember when I first did the Dean's Thought stuff for the um, the devotions books. Right. I struggled. I had times where I could, you know, I had three or four really good ideas, and I could knock out a few, and, and then I would go a week and not have any ideas and just be just struggling to write a story. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. It has gotten to the point now where God just, he puts these things in my mind when I need them and not before. How much of that was because you were trying to do it in Dean's power back then? I think you're right. I got a deadline. I got to hit this. I got to, but yes. now you kind of like, okay, God, I know I Quail's going to be here this evening and the man is going to be here in the morning. And I trust that. It's really, that's exactly And I would right. say they're better yeah. as a result. Yeah. Well, I mean, Think about the Bible here. And, you know, you, you, it's hard to think of the Bible as manna because, you know, to the outside world, they say, well, it's, it's the same words, it's the same chapters, and it's been for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years. But that's not true because how many times have we talked about on this podcast, we can read one verse today and we can read the same exact verse tomorrow and it comes across completely different. Yeah. And that's hard to understand for people that's never experienced it. But yeah. if you read the Bible enough, you will experience that, that you're reading the same 27 words today that you read yesterday, and it it has a completely different meaning. And that's manna. Yeah. That's yeah. God knows God knows how that verse needs to hit us today to make an impact on our life. And it's different than how I hit it yesterday because yesterday the needs were different. Yesterday we needed quail, not manna. So he's, many times he'll he'll give you these words is a different form, but it's the same nourishment. Yeah. But it, it's it's what we need for that day. Yep. And if you're struggling with running, if you will get focused on what what you really want to do and accomplish, and you want to get through this program or whatever, God will provide the motivation you need mm-hmm. if you'll just let it come. But you got to. You got to take that first step, right? You do. You got to. You, you got to walk out the door. That's right. You got to get out there and go do it, and then he'll he'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. 
Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. You know, I remember a guy when I was back in the 80s, when I was a young guy, his name was Benji Durden. You ever heard the name Benji Durden? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I haven't. Benji Durden was a, uh, he was a marathoner. And so the thing that was notable about Benji Durden, of course, he made the, he finished second in the Olympic trials in 1980. Of course, the United States didn't go to the Olympics that year, so he didn't get a chance to participate in the Olympics, but the thing that was notable about Benji Durden was that he would train in sweats in the middle of the summer in Atlanta. Didn't we talk about this last week or somebody training in sweats? No, last week? Yeah, you and I talked about it at cross country practice this week. Oh, was it Benji that you were talking about? It was about? Benji. Okay, that okay, was, okay. Yeah, yeah. I knew we had just talked about yeah. this. Well, Benji, he lived in Stone Mountain, Georgia and he trained and he was, he worked at Fidipides running store there in Atlanta. And, um, he was uh, he was a really good marathoner, but he did this crazy thing where he trained in sweats, and um, people everybody thought he was crazy. Well, fast forward to this past year, and there's a guy named Phil Sessman, who from Great Britain, who's doing the same thing in Great Britain. He's been trained. He's been listen to this. He was taking thermometer pills. You ever heard of thermometer pills? So, so what it is is you take this pill and it measures the in temperature on the inside of your app or something yeah 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 and so he would during these hot runs he would go on he would measure he would see how his body was reacting to it um he would run once a week on a treadmill in a heat chamber um and he would lose it was so hot in there he would lose seven pounds of water an hour on this treadmill um, he also spent time at, at training at altitude in France. He, he did everything he possibly could all for the European championships in Munich because it was going to be hot during that race. And he did all of this stuff. And, um, here's the thing that everybody's going to love, especially Patrick, Patrick, if you're out there listening, <laughs> he claims the thing that kept him going, the thing that gave him all the energy he needed, the thing that helped him recover was chocolate milk. Hmm. So he swears by chocolate milk. So um, <laughs> I, I tend to agree with him. I, I'm a chocolate milk fan for sure. Uh, I can't imagine training in the heat in the, in, in the heat of the summer in sweats. I just can't. You know, I run most days without a shirt on because I just I like to be I like to be as cool as I can be. There's yeah. got to be something to it, though. I mean, it, you would think. I mean, that's the reason people go to altitude. It's is to put your body through the worst conditions and. and Altitude is not necessarily worse condition, but on your body it is. Yeah. For running at altitude, it's definitely worse. There's got to be something to it. There has to be. It's not pleasant, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like to, I, you know, I wear sweats before a race a lot of times. And yeah. I love that feeling of taking those, that, that, those heavy clothes off and feeling really light just before a race. So, yeah. Well, it's time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, did you know that a five-year-old stands a better chance in a survival situation than a 14-year-old? We're going to talk about it. It's called Survive Like a Five-Year-Old. 
Have you ever thought about what you would do if you found yourself in a survival situation? What if you were lost in the Rocky Mountains, for example? What if you were in a plane crash or a boat wreck and you survived? What if you were out for a hike and got lost? They are pretty grim questions to be sure, but what would you do in one of these circumstances, uh, but what you do in one of these circumstances could be the difference between life and death. There is the story of Mauro Prosperi, who was lost in the Sahara Desert for nine days after a sandstorm got him off course in the Marathon de Sables. Or how about the story of Aaron Ralston, who cut his arm off in order to survive after being trapped by a boulder while mountain climbing. You may have seen the movie 127 Hours about his ordeal. The story of Jose Salvador Alvarenga, who survived for over a year at sea, is astonishing. And most people have heard of the amazing story of Ernest Shackleton and how his crew survived in the Antarctic waters when their ship was frozen in place and destroyed. All of these stories are nearly unbelievable, but they are nonetheless true stories of survival. Did you know that one of the categories of people who tend to have a high survival rate are very young kids? And one of the lowest survival rates is for older kids and teenagers. Well, why is that? Well, it turns out that the only thing young kids think about is what is in front of them at the moment. If they're cold, they find a way to get warm, for example. But a teenager knows enough that they're terrified at the thought of being stranded. The younger kids are survivors because they worry about what they can control. The teenagers become obsessed with things they can't do anything about. Aaron Ralston tried to wait for someone to rescue him before he amputated his arm. At first, he survived on what food and water he had with him. But when that ran out, he did the only thing he could do to survive. He worried about what he could control, and that was it. I have a theory that elite runners would probably make good survivalists. They worry about what's going on in the moment. Although they may be thinking about the last miles of a long run, they're not letting those thoughts ruin the first part of that run. We could learn a thing or two from elite runners and young survivalists. Running is hard, but we make it so much harder than it needs to be. We have so much knowledge about things that could become a problem that we obsess over things that will probably not happen. And then, when we get done, we make excuses for not completing our task at hand. We say things like, I just didn't drink enough water today. I think I'm dehydrated. Or, I didn't get enough sleep last night, so I tanked my run. While we should definitely avoid these things, we should not let them get in the way. A young girl lost in the woods will think, I feel cold. I need to find a place out of the wind. An adult will think, I hope a bear doesn't eat me. Which which of those things is more productive? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we should... Uh, I'm not suggesting that we should forget what we know, but we shouldn't let the knowledge of those things get in the way of progress. Just because you've heard a story about how people have had trouble while running doesn't mean you're next. Yes, people have died for lack of water in the desert, but it is not going to happen on your eight-mile run. If you're in the early stages of a run and you feel like the last few miles are going to be tough, don't dwell on that. Instead, think about the next mile, then the next. Before you know it, you'll be at the finish line in much better shape than you thought. Matthew 18, 2-5 says, He, Jesus, called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. 
If any of us were lost in the wilderness, we would have a difficult time averting our thoughts from all the terrible things that could happen. You have to be purposeful in how you approach each minute. If you ever read the story of Ernest Shackleton, you know the power of positive thinking and survival. God tells us to have a childlike faith because he wants us to rely on him each minute of every day. It's much like that five-year-old mentality when faced in a survival situation. And your running is similar too. Focus on getting through the next week, the next workout, the next mile of your run, instead of worrying about the bear that might eat you. If you can do that, you're sure to have more success. And an interesting byproduct of that is that you'll enjoy it more. That's a great story, Dan. There's a lot of lessons in that story. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Childlike faith is so hard, though, right? You know, <laughs> uh, children are okay with relying on others because they really almost don't have any choice. But we have a choice, or we think we do, and so we just let all those things class. So many people, worriers, they worry about everything that could happen, right? And it just it's not productive. Yeah, I think I was when you were reading this, I think back to, to runs I've had in the past. Um, you know, worry. Wor- That's why we tell people not to look ahead in the marathon program. Mm-hmm. But how many times have you been in a run? I know I have. And I, I don't know how this happens, but I know it does. You, your run is going fine. I'm not going to say great, but your run is going fine. And either you start thinking about how hard it is, well, you start thinking about how hard it is, how much you want to slow down or walk, and before you know it, your heart rate elevates, mm-hmm. and your breathing increases, mm-hmm. and before you know it, you're anaerobic, and you're you're forced to stop. Mm-hmm. Now, did your pace dictate that reaction or did your thoughts dictate that reaction i submit your thoughts can elevate your heart rate 100 percent. i mean you see somebody that gets scared you can look at a heart rate chart and their heart rate elevates keep your thoughts captive yeah don't don't think about those things because that will that will it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that's exactly right every time Mm -hmm. you start thinking this is hard I might die, whatever it is, your heart rate increases. And before you know it, you are having to stop. Yep. yep. But you didn't have to stop when you started thinking those thoughts. Yeah, it's a lot like survival. The more we know about the dangers potentially that are out there, the less likely we survive. Exactly. Right? And that's what happens in running is the more things we read or the more dangers we think there that are out there, then the less likely we are to to be successful in our running unless like you said in the case of survival you get those thoughts out of your head and you just think about what you need to think about the same thing goes for running get the thoughts of i'm, I'm dehydrated out of your head and just focus on the next mile ignorance is bliss yeah you know they, they say it a lot every every year when they televise the ironman world championships in hawaii you know that's a grueling course mm-hmm. i mean you're riding your bike through lava fields and 100 plus degree heat and they say it every year that many times your fastest for people that do that race repeatedly, their first one is the fastest mm-hmm. because they don't under they don't know the the hardships of that race. And the next year they come in fitter and they go slower because they're anticipating, 
oh, I'm I'm going through the lava fields. You yeah. know, this is going to be hard, and mm-hmm. therefore it becomes harder than it was the year before, even though they're more fit. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's the mind game. It is. We got to control our mind. And the truth is, you know, it, you've seen. Uh, I don't know if you've seen disaster movies, the Poseidon Adventure, um, Flight of the Phoenix. These are these are older movies, but back in the seventies, disaster movies were a big thing. You had earthquake, and you had towering inferno. You had airport. You had all these these movies that were disaster movies, and in every one of them, you had the same theme. There was always all this arguing and fussing. Now, Flight of the Phoenix is a classic. I think that's one of the greatest movies ever made. Jimmy Stewart plays the guy who's kind of the engineer who kind of calms everybody. I think it, I think that's right. He kind of calms everybody down and just focuses on getting everybody organized and focusing on what they can do rather than worrying about starving to death out in the desert. And the Poseidon adventure, everybody's arguing and fussing, and you get one guy who says, okay, let's think about this clearly. And then everybody just naturally follows that guy. And then there's an, always a guy in the background going, well, why are you following him? I know the way. It's like, because you're a hothead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this guy's thinking clearly. Right. And that's that's who we need to be. Mm-hmm. We need to be the thinking clearly guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and oftentimes that means putting aside those bad things that we know and just trying to move forward. We know we're not going to die if we don't get enough water in a run. And yet, we'll let that get in the way and let it freak us out anyway. And we just got to get those things out of our mind. And you, you always need to have somebody in your life who is the clear-thinking guy when you're not. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> you and me both. Mm-hmm. can be the hothead. Well, we, I see it almost every week with your computer here and you plug it into that thing over there and you're like, it's not working. <laughs> but you, and you've done the same for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm going to pull out of this Iron Man because I just don't have time. Well, wait a minute. Let's think about this. Mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget the conversation. We, that's why the accountability of others around us is so important. That's why you need to surround yourself with, mm-hmm. with people who can hold you accountable because we all fall. We're, we're all susceptible to this. We're all... We all have valleys that we go through, whether it's in our life or it's our run. Yeah. You know, you, you sometimes you need that person running with you that's going to kick you in the teeth and say, you know, you big sissy, quit yeah. whining and, and run. Um, we need that, our, that in our life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was a – I like that story, Dean. Yeah, Lord knows there's been a number of times, where, especially with kids, high school kids and – where they're they're wanting to stop and i'm like you're not stopping do not stop do not and i'm just i'm goading them you know it's like i know and then you get them through to the end of that run the guy that come up to get water the other day i was laughing under my breath the guy come up to get water they were doing like what a 45 minute run or something he come up to get water and he's i'm thirsty and you said on a 45 minute run you don't need well i mean you just ridiculed but that's what he needed that's what he needed. he didn't he didn't need a pat on the back for that and Yeah. yeah we we all need that sometimes. We, yeah. as, as, as hard as it is to hear, we all need ridiculed sometimes. Yeah, we do. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run For God station 
on J Radio. All right, so every week I share a reason why running is so awesome. And this week, that reason is this, competition, right? And that competition sometimes is somebody else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just you. It's the competition of trying to be a better you than you were last week. And and I think that's something because we all want to improve in a lot of ways, not just running, but other ways. And that helps us with improving in other ways as well. Gives us something to be competitive about and, and compete at. And that helps us in every facet of our life. I've always uh, said that I have a hard time calling a sport like gymnastics a sport. Not because it's not hard. Gymnastics is crazy hard. I, I can't do it, for sure. <laughs> I'd like to see that. But it's subjective, right? You have yeah. judges that judge how you do. And I realize, I know it's, it's, it's a lot more black and white than, I, than I'm saying that it is. But it is a little but bit subjective. it is subjective. subjective. And in, in running, competition is like, it's very clear. You have a stopwatch. You have a time. You... You competed against somebody, and you know who crossed the line first. That's why I've always said this: this it's the one sport that I would actually coach because, you know, baseball, football, coaches are having to make decisions on who to put in, and you got the political part of it with parents and all. But with triathlon or running, it's you know, my mm. kid's not on varsity. Look at the watch; yeah, it's pretty black and white, <laughs> which is what I love about it. it yeah. Is it's just very objective. Yeah. Well, some interesting things happened in the world of running this past week. So, uh, Killian Jornet, you know that name? Nope. Killian Jornet is probably maybe one of the great, well, he is one of the greatest uh, ultra athletes of all time, mountain runner. Um, he's written several books. Um, I think he wrote, he wrote one of the books on, on, on diet. Um, eat to, is it Eat to Win? Is that, was Killian Jornet the one who read that? Maybe not. I'm not, I'm, I may be no, getting him. No, he didn't write that. Um, I'm getting him confused with somebody else. It was another trail running guy. Eight to run. It was, um, oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, he was in a race recently, and he was in fourth place. Scott Urich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight to run, yeah. He was in fourth place in this race, and so he's getting down toward the end. And, of course, he's, he's, he's used to winning races by a long way. Well, he's getting down toward the end of this race. He starts high-fiving the crowd as he's finishing. And um, – Somebody came by and passed him mm. while he was high-fiving. Mm. Uh, That's the worst. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fourth place. It wasn't a huge – it did cost him $200 in prize money, so not not the end of the world, but uh, I think it was more embarrassing Ooh. than anything else. It's about so. like celebrating before you get to the end zone and getting tackled. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, and some people have this – they argue they have the, that there's this unwritten rule. I saw some message boards where they were arguing about this and um, that you don't pass somebody at the end of an ultra – in in, a, in those circumstances, um, if the guy's high fiving the crowd, yes, I'm passing. Yes, a hundred percent, right? Um, yeah, I I don't think he did anything wrong, and I would have done the same thing in sure. that circumstance. As a matter of fact, um, I remember a race where I was. It was a half marathon. It was the first Dalton red carpet half, half marathon, and I was running, and I was trailing a guy with 
a mile to go, he was about 20 meters ahead of me. So just far enough away that you felt almost connected, but you're about to be do- you're about to be done. And it's like all I could think about was you never know how he's feeling. Maybe you can get him at the end. Just just stay as close as you can. And all of a sudden, the guy just stopped and bent over. Looked like he was tying his shoe or grabbing his foot or something. Anyway, I kind of glanced at him and noticed that he didn't look like he was, you know, he didn't look like he was going to die or anything. I ran right by him. I ran to the finish line and I won the race and I was like, too bad for him. Yeah. Turns out he had an Achilles problem that had been bothering him and and it just really flared up on him in that moment. Um, but I, I don't buy all this. Like the the Alabama Tennessee, it's a big rivalry, mm-hmm. and some people will argue about. Um, piling up points now if you're you know if you're alabama and you're playing samford you know not sanford but samford (laughs) there in in alabama and you're up on them by you know 40 points yeah he's up on them you know it's a classy thing to do. put the second string in yeah but when you're playing tennessee who you know is a, a a rivalry I don't care how many points to put on the board. Yeah. And I think you have every right to pot. Sure. Now, you have to Because you know there's been smack talking going on. Absolutely. All the month before. Yep. Now, but now, there are some cool stories. I don't know if you remember the Brownlee brothers, but you're- Yes, um, I remember. Oh. I mean, incredible triathletes, world-class triathletes. And one brother was beating the other one. I think it was for the win. And, um, and, and they're both Olympic triathletes. And he was in the lead, and right before- the finish line i mean literally with 50 yards to go which you see often in triathlons i think it was alistair's body just started to shut down i mean you could see it he he couldn't move his limbs he was about to hit the ground his brother rounds the corner and he puts his arm around his shoulder and basically toes his brother to the finish line (laughs) pushes him across the finish line and he hits the ground yeah that's sportsmanship yes I remember seeing that. That that's, was just, that's a powerful video. It is. And yeah. it's two brothers, which, you know, there's plenty of, I'm sure there's plenty of smack talking between them. But the, it's the situation. Yeah. Different situation. Absolutely. You come around the corner and some dude's high-fiving everybody like, I've got this. Yeah, blow his doors off. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's another crazy thing that happened. Um, this comes out of Canadian Running Magazine. Um, Dean Carnazes, who we've had. I watched this video last night. Did you see it? Yeah. 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 So he apparently got attacked by a coyote during a 150-mile race. It was the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. so it was dark. And this coyote, he shared a a video on Instagram right afterwards. And you can see he's stunned, right? He's clearly stunned. Mouth is bleeding. You can see where he fell and and hit his face. Um, He says that uh, as the coyotes were, were there around him, he was poking him with with the poles hitting him with his poles to get him because he was running with poles um and that uh they they ran away but it was uh yeah that's a freaky thing to happen in the middle of a race i don't guess i heard that i i heard because i had a hypothesis because he said that he got knocked down yeah and he used the word attack i i've i have almost had the same thing happen Mm -hmm. our property down the road here I was, have you heard this story? I don't know. I was coming out of the woods one night. I had been on the back of our property deer hunting and I was walking out and it was dark and I was walking up the road and all of a sudden I heard something coming through the woods 
And usually when you're walking out of the woods at night, it's going away. Yeah. You've spooked something and it's going away. This was coming toward me. And that's not a good feeling. No. Because <laughs> it was loud. It was dark. I mean, it was, yeah. it was dark. It was loud. And so I just stopped. I mean, I just, my heart was racing. And literally from me to you, three foot, I could have reached out and touched it. A deer jumped out right in, I mean, I could have grabbed it, jumped out. And right behind the deer was a coyote. Yeah. Neither one of them even knew I was there. But I wonder, because that'll happen, especially at night. And he was running at night. Mm-hmm. Wild animals, they'll be chasing something, and you're just in their path. Yeah. And if I would have took one more step, that coyote would have knocked me down. Yep. I had never heard of a coyote attacking somebody. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, but he did say he was knocked down. So I wonder if that's Yeah. I really think the ca- the Canadian Running Magazine, I think they may have they played it up to played be. played it up a little bit more. Yeah. But if you watch his video... He doesn't really sensationalize it. He no. said, I got knocked down. Luckily, I had some poles with me, and the fall wasn't that bad, as bad as it could have been, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I watched that video last night. But, yeah, I've come close, but I've never been hit by one. Well, I've told the story about almost running into a deer myself yeah. in, in South Dakota one time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've seen, we've probably all seen that video of the cross country runner to get hit that gets hit by a deer. The deer jumps out, just knocks him over. It was a whole cross country race. Yeah, it just come right in the middle of it. Yeah, took yeah. this one kid out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, but you know, I mean, for for the rest of his life, what a story he's got. You're right. So yeah. this one time, I'm the guy. I got attacked, and it had probably had millions of views now on YouTube. Oh, you know it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I also read a I read a thread from somebody who didn't understand why you'd stop your light watch at a red light. Do you do you stop your I'm watch? not the guy that stops my watch. You don't. No. Yeah. So you're one of the weird ones. I think you're in the minority. Really? I think most people do stop their watch. I stop my watch. But I, and I thought about well, I don't this. get hung up on used to I did. Yeah. But nowadays I don't get hung up on what my pace is. I mean, you ran with me the other day and I'm yeah. like mega slow now. <laughs> And I'm fine with that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, back in the day, if I was trying to get in a whatever mile run at whatever pace and I I had to stop for some reason, then yeah, I was probably stopping that much. Well, I'm not I'm not concerned about how fast my pace is as much as I am how accurate it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think this may go back to the days when uh you know, when I was young, we didn't have GPS watches. And so the way that we figured out how far we ran a lot of times yeah. was how 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 long ever did I, I ran for one hour? Okay, that's about eight miles. You know, so I, that's how I would figure out how far I ran. So if you stopped, you needed to stop your watch. Yeah, that's be, true because you want that's how you calculated how yeah. far you ran. So I think it kind of goes back to that, and some people have continued to do that. And again, like I said, for me, uh, and sometimes I'll forget. Like I'll be in the middle of a run, and I'll see somebody that I know, and I'll stop and talk to them. And then when I start to run, I go to start my watch back up, and I had forgotten to stop it. Uh, and, and so, you know, it just looks like I ran a. Or you think you stopped it and you start it back, only to realize you actually stopped it when you, you started. Done, done that. Too. And you get yeah. back to the truck and you're like, I didn't even record the last half of my run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is doesn't yeah, count then. That happens. <laughs> I did have one near recently though, where I stopped like two, 150 meters from my home. There's a, a guy on the corner there, and I stopped and talked to him and. I realized I didn't stop my watch. So I just cleared it out and started all over again. So, Or then you get these people, you know, with Strava Nation nowadays. Yeah. You, you pull like I've done a few times and you 
forget to stop it when you're done with your run and you get home only to realize that 15 minute drive home you've broken 37 strava segments (laughs) and everybody's yelling at you because you broke their strava segment in a vehicle whoops running drama that's a strava drama i've been the subject of that more than Uh, once well we have a trivia question for this week here's the trivia question there is a tribe of people who use running to get from place to place in the copper mountains of mexico they were made famous in the book born to run who are these super athletes you know the answer to that one i know that one yeah yeah if you know the answer send it to dean at runforgod.com and if you're the first person to send us the answer then we will send you a run for god tumbler and um you you need one of those run club tumblers sure. if you haven't if you don't have one of those yet you need to get one yeah. and this is a great way to do it so all you got to do is answer a question that's easy yeah uh, so it's and i mean this is typically I'll, I'll take one word on this one one word yeah that's all you need that's all it is it's not an easy word though no it's not <laughs> that's for sure all right our motivational thought of the week let's leave you with this one day i won't be able to do this today is not that day you know, sometimes we just need to be thankful for what we can do and realize that there are people who can't do what we do. There are people who can't run. They would love to run, but they can't. Yeah, somebody else, I saw a quote here a while back that was similar to this, and I like the way it was worded. It was it said, um, when, you, if, when you're training for running, uh, when you think you're not as good as you should be, Think back one year ago and how you would, your dream was to be where you are today. Yeah. And that's, it's true. that's the whole thing. We, we've got to look back sometimes because yeah. we get those days where we're just, I'm horrible. But yep. look back one year and you'll think the person one year ago would just love to be where you're at today. Absolutely. So it's all perspective. A hundred percent. Yep. All right. Just be thankful for what we have, right? So runforgod.com, runforgod.com, runforgod.com. Check Go it out. check out the new website. It's awesome. We want everybody listening to be members, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun going forward on it. Absolutely. So until next week, may God bless every step of every run and walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. Good job, Dean.